The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. If you're experiencing life, and we know you are, you may have a variety of questions about relationships, family issues, personal goals, coping with the unexpected, and much more. Today, you will hear some answers from a psychological perspective, and you may just take away something that fits. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Welcome. I'm Suzanne Phillips, and this is Psych Up Live. On this show and on all of our shows, I want to include you in the conversation. Please feel free to listen in and call in with questions or comments to 1-866-472-5788. It's hard to believe that 1.4 million children, some as young as 8 or 9, in this country are primary caregivers, sacrificing schooling, health, well-being, and and a childhood to provide care for family members who are ill, injured, aging, or have disabilities. Isolated, often facing tasks and responsibilities that would challenge adults, these children can often go invisible to their local schools and communities. Today, we're going to hear about what they face and an answer that has already helped a thousand caregiving youth. We are joined today by Dr. Connie Siskowski, one of CNN's top 10 heroes of 2012 and the founder and director of the American Association of Caregiving Youth, which includes the Caregiving Youth Project. With her is a dedicated professional interdisciplinary team, including Dr. Ann Ferrone, a very experienced educator who has really created a culture of cooperation and collaboration with schools and agencies who outreach to these children. And helping children not feel so isolated, building self-esteem, we have Kim Fort, who's a licensed social worker and the youth development specialist working with these children. Now, we might also have joining us Kara Zimmerman. She's the care coordinator of the project who really makes a difference in terms of home visits and home resources. Dr. Siskowski, Dr. Ann Ferrone, and Kim Fort, it's my pleasure to welcome you to Psych Up Live. Thank, Thank you, you Suzanne. Okay. Thank you. Um, Dr. Siskowski, let me start by asking you, what prompted you to develop the Child Youth Project in 2006? So I was um, a youth caregiver for my grandfather as a child, and um, without really knowing it until later in life, it impacted my adult years. Um, because of, of the trauma that I experienced, and it was, you know, light years ago uh, before people really recognized uh, trauma in children. So all of the lack of recognition is not through anything intentional, 
but it's just because um, people don't know and understand. And so um, because my life was impacted, uh, and really I suffered um, to a certain extent that this work is about trying to prevent that suffering in others who are in the role of caring for a family member. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really quite an amazing program that we'll be talking about, and I want listeners to know that when I... S- read about this program in the New York Times and Dr. Siskowski, I thought more and more people need to know what children often privately face, which is literally what would challenge most of us as adults and the type of work you and your staff are doing. Now, from what I have heard from you, um, Dr. Siskowski, the program is very interdisciplinary in that it, it focuses on education, the mind focus, the healthcare resources, the body focus for the child, as well as the family um, and the person who is being cared for. And then, of course, the community support services, which are invaluable. They say it takes a community to make a difference. So I thought we'd start with you, Dr. Ferrone, because I imagine the schools might misread a lot of these children in terms of their absences, assignments. I was wondering if you could tell us the kind of challenges you have come across and the kind of programs that have been set in motion. Thank you, Suzanne. Yes, the the issues that brought this program to light was because the Palm Beach School District here in Florida was looking at barriers to student success. And, of course, the conversation was all around the usual uh, issues. And, of course, we always work on, you know, teacher uh, the, the quality of the teachers, et cetera. But anyone who's been in a classroom for even a brief period of time can know that there are so many social-emotional uh, barriers that kids face that we have to kind of do it as a parallel project. So when we heard about uh, Dr. Siskowski's program, it was a perfect match for what we were trying to do, as, which would be uncover any barriers that we were not addressing. And this was definitely one of them that was so under the radar that, Experienced people were saying, how did we miss this? Mm. So in Palm Beach County, um, going back 10 years ago, uh, we were lucky enough to have a school that said, yes, I want, you know, we want to see what's going on in our school because if this is the issue that's creating the barrier, and many times kids have multiple issues. It's not usually just one thing that they're dealing with. But this is such a huge issue that was so um, unaddressed previously. So we started with one school and the success right away, and especially the kids who came to us and said, I really thought I was alone. And some kids were afraid to even share what was going on in their family. And it's important to note that some school districts around the country have uh, social workers and school counselors, and here we have a school counselor. The social work component kind of, you know, falls on in the lap of the school counselor who often doesn't have enough time to address all of those needs. Mm-hmm. So in, we have cooperative agreements with community agencies, and right away Caregiving Youth received a cooperative agreement which gives their staff the ability to go into a school, host um, group meetings, sessions with the kids, lunch and learns, and be a regular presence in the school. So there was a lot of awareness that we had to raise first about the issue in general because Mm -hmm. definitely people didn't know that this was an issue. So that was like step one. And little by little, we grew the program and to the point that schools are clamoring for it. And, of course, it's the people from Dr. Siskowski's organization who are so skilled and so um, dedicated and working with these children that we have seen a tremendous uh, rise in the graduation rate, 
as well as providing tutoring and mentoring, creating some other supports for the kids to shore up their academic success and also have them feel that they're not alone, which is so important. So if how would a child even know to alert anyone to this? If we said, you know, they usually stay pretty hidden, um, how, how, how do the children find you or how do the schools find the children and how do they eventually get into the project? It kind of works both ways because sometimes uh, we do a lot of sessions for general groups like all the counselors or all the school-based team people or the administrators. So we can have a full program in every school due to resources. I mean, right now, uh, about 20 schools plus four more on board for next year. But if a school identifies a kid through the counselor or someone comes and tells us that there's a student in this situation, there's parental permission involved, which is very, very important. Parents have to say yes. They want the assistance of this program. Um, And sometimes the kids know of the program because if we do a session in the beginning of the year, a kid's circumstance can change. And maybe January something comes up and there's illness or something in the family going on where they're taking care of someone. So there's an ongoing awareness building among the community here in Palm Beach to the point where nurses, school counselors, administrators, special education coordinators, pretty much everyone, and it's a constant training because there's always turnover and new staff, but they know the program exists here and also know to reach out to American Association of Caregiving Youth for resources, even if they don't have the full-blown program at their school. So uh, we have... PSAs that we give the schools to plug into their morning announcements to let the kids know about the program. So little by little, it's been a process. It's been a process. Well, well and now, additionally, uh, if I just yes. might add that no, in good. sixth grade, um, students complete an eligibility form, and we use that uh, information to do an analysis to determine which students are doing uh, caregiving and uh, which among them are in the highest of three of five levels of responsibility so that we can target our resources um, to those children. Okay. Now, and can I just add, we also have a presence in the cafeteria. Uh, Twice a month, a social worker who is assigned to the middle schools that we have the program in, uh, we go into the cafeteria with information on a certain illness. Um, we call it a lunch and learn, and that is also an opportunity for students to become aware of the program as well as to self-refer. So if they identify as a caregiver or maybe they hear the term diabetes and know that grandma has diabetes, it's a time for them to come up to get information as well as to begin a dialogue with myself or the social worker at that school to begin identifying them as a caregiving youth and enroll them into the program. What's so wonderful is everyone gets the information, so no one is targeted without, who doesn't want to be, and yet yeah. there it is. There's the bridge to get some help. Now, I remember when I spoke to Dr. Siskowski, um a week or so ago that you mentioned it was the day before graduation. So um, now, how does it work? Once a child is part of your program, um, and maybe you could use and give us an example, they stay until they graduate. Is that what it? What the um, procedure is? Uh, yes, they're able to be with us from sixth grade through high school graduation, and uh, often they stay in touch with us after high school graduation. Uh-huh. Although our direct services end. However, uh, we are in the midst of uh, trying to begin 
uh, Caregivers Club with a couple of our graduates who um, are in local colleges or universities so that some ongoing support uh, for them can continue. It's really impressive. So let me ask you, do you have any pushback? Are there some children who you think would want it, but you're not getting the parent permission and you have to do an intervention? Does that happen very often? It sometimes does. Yeah. It sometimes does. And that goes for almost any community-based organization uh, who's reaching out, especially if there's a sensitivity to the subject matter of why the agency is reaching out to the family. Uh, with the home visits, of course, that requires parental permission as well, but often through the skilled um, that experience of the social workers, often once parents feel comfortable and feel that this is really uh, going to be helpful to their children and trust is built, then often those barriers come down. Mm-hmm. So uh, sometimes it takes a little patience. Mm-hmm. But Let we me do ask you. To reach all the kids we, we know need the help. Let me ask all of you, when it comes to school performance, does any case stand out as a child who was really struggling or emotionally being bullied or bullying or whatever these children were facing, who really did a very clear turnaround because of the program? Oh, absolutely. There's there's really a multitude of examples. Uh, Kim, do you want to talk about one? Sure. Um, There was a student who we were working with, and what a lot of our students face is that while they're in school, they're often worried about what is going on at home. Mm. So their concentration, their focus, their ability in the classroom is diminished. Um, So once students enroll in our skills building group and start to become a part of the community and the activities that we offer, we definitely notice that grades improve. We do also offer tutoring um, to our students who are struggling, so that is another service that we provide. But kids just have an ability to talk about what's going on at home, which I think then lessens some of that worry, lessens some of that anxiety, and they're able to focus on their schoolwork and just express, communicate what's going on. So you definitely do see a huge turnaround in their grades, but also in their behaviors, in their commitment to school, and their ability to interact with their peers, um, to talk to their teachers. So I think you see it in all facets of their life. Mm-hmm. Well, so most there... recently at camp, um, I was really struck by one of the parents who came up to me and said that his daughter um, had changed so much since she had come into the Caregiving Youth Project in sixth grade that previous to that, uh, when she was in fifth grade, she was even thinking about committing suicide mm. and um, that now she was on the honor roll. And at the end of camp, she said, uh, this is the most fun I've had in my life. Oh, my goodness. So We have they, another and, young lady that comes to my mind because she ended up graduating with honors and going on to college, and her challenges were tremendous in her home environment. And I, I know that she not, would not have gotten to that point, and to graduate with honors with all her home responsibilities was an amazing feat. It would not have happened without the assistance of this organization. So it's it's really remarkable, the turnaround when you touch these children. Now, do you think these children, as they are in your program, Kim, and, and as they, they get to know each other, do you think they're sources of support and help to each other? Oh, 100%. And that is the purpose of us doing the skills building group and doing like a support group um, setting in the schools 
is because so many students, when we initially meet with them for an intake and assessment, which is one-on-one, um, the students share that they often feel alone, they feel isolated, they don't know anybody, anybody else who's caregiving, mm-hmm. and then as soon as they enter that group atmosphere, a community is created. So they feel supported. They might meet another student who's in a class that they have who is caring for a grandparent as well or a sibling. Um, So definitely, and it's almost instant, as soon as we start talking and sharing and creating that rapport, that you can just tell students feel connected with each other. And as Connie had mentioned Camp Treasure, that is probably one of um, our number one event that kids leave there. They leave there with other students' phone numbers with, you know, new best friends. So you just see that sense of community that's created, which is wonderful. It's ter- it's just amazing. And I know um, you, you're short of time, so I wanted to ask you, Dr. Farone, um, do you actually go from school to school or throughout the districts in Florida trying to um, broaden the program or invite new schools to sign up for it? Well, it's, we are very careful about offering services that we can't fulfill those requ- all those requests because of lack of resources. But it's my job to point out which schools would be a good match for the program and then do the outreach to the administrators. You know, we have the support at the central office from the superintendent's office down, so we do that outreach. For example, this year... Uh, Dr. Siskowski received a large grant, and we can open up four new schools. So that it would be my place. We sat together. We look at feeder patterns. We we know it's very important if the kids are in a middle school program for caregiving, then for the high school they go to to also have the program so we can keep the continuity. Um, so that is a part of what I do. And then, as I mentioned before, we always have new administrators coming on board, new staff uh, I guess it's different all over the country, but it's a very large we're a county school district, so in Palm Beach there's 185 schools. It's a lot different than some of the more localized school districts up north. So it, it's always a challenge, but uh, I, it's always important for people to know that the program exists and what it comprises and raise awareness of the issue itself. So uh, that's an ongoing, yeah, that's an ongoing outreach that I try to provide. Okay, we're going to have to take a brief break, but it's a wonderful message to our listeners, just even knowing about the program wherever our listeners are in this country. Um, You've been listening to Psych Up Live. Today we're speaking with Dr. Connie Siskowski, Dr. Ann Farone, and Kim Fort. They are part of the team of the American Association of Caregiving Youth. Stay with us. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. 
follow the movement, meet guests who are shaking things up, call in, and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Inner Revolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're discussing a very important topic, caregiving youth. And we're here with Dr. Connie Siskowski and the team from the American Association of Caregiving Youth. In this section, Kim Fort and Dr. Siskowski. Um, Dr. Siskowski, I know one of your key members who wanted to be here and couldn't, Kara Zimmerman, plays a role in coordinating the youth and the home. These children basically are giving primary care in the home. So I wonder if you could speak a little bit on the challenges that this arm of the program faces, the kind of resources you provide. How does that unfold? Sure. So I just wanted to first um, clarify, Suzanne, that not all of our children are primary caregivers, that sometimes there's another adult in the home, but that other adult may be working, and so then the child has a responsibility before school, after school, and sometimes on weekends. Oh, great. Thank you. um, Okay. Yeah, we work um, while the youth is our client that we really feel it's so important to work on strengthening the family and seeing what else is going on in the home that could reduce the burden on the whole family. So we accomplish that by doing a home assessment and um, then we can see firsthand what else might be needed. So for example, and sometimes it takes like a year to build enough trust to get into the home to let families know that we're not going in to judge how clean their house is or or anything like that, but it's really just for them so that they can feel totally cared about. So um, one time, one of um, our students complained about his back hurting, and so uh, we did a home visit. And we found out one of the reasons was because he and his single mom had to lift his brother in a wheelchair in and out of their home um, in order to get him into a van so his mom could go to work and take uh, her other son to medical daycare. 
Mm. And um, in that particular home, um, the stoop was a little high, and so like a, a normal ramp uh, would be expensive, but to have a ramp that's long enough when you have a higher stoop right. is even more expensive. And so it was really no wonder that his back was hurting right. and hers too. And so we were able to find somebody who um, went to a store and got some discounted supplies and took his son, and they made an amazing ramp. And not only did that help his back, but prior to that, um, this student had to be home uh, at at the time that his mom got home from work so that they could get his brother back into the house as well as be there in you know, the morning to get him into the van. So this freed him up so that he could have, um, so he could participate in an after-school activity or just spend a little time with friends before he needed to get home. That's Um, amazing. Sometimes we've found, you know, families need food. Uh, We found that uh, they may be sleeping on mattresses and we've been able to help get beds. Um, sometimes families don't have medical access. Not too long ago, we we had a student who called because we built a relationship with them, and they called Kara and said, you know, I've had this toothache, I just can't stand it any longer, and it turned out that she had never been to a dentist. So mm. we were able to find a dentist who would see her pro bono, and, and she needed um, additional work, and so he reached out to his network and got... Um, an oral surgeon to help with um, the rest of her needs. So uh, it's really um, a it's multitude amazing. of different <laughs> things that can make a difference in the lives of the child as well as the family. Well, it's it's remarkable that we all overlook the fact that simple is gigantic. Food, mattresses mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. floor, and the fact that you can have this dimension of the program, because we sometimes come up with brilliant school programs, but we have no idea that that child can't even participate, as you say, because of timing or whatever. The The home program is crucial, it seems to me, and I could well, appreciate it, it. Go ahead. It really is, Suzanne, and even like I, I never dreamed that in Palm Beach County, Florida, we would find um, homes that didn't have clean water, and one of our very first clients um, lived in West Palm Beach, just right near the airport. And um, it was a grandparents raising grandchildren. The grandfather had um, needed wound care. He was pretty much bedbound. And um, their well had become contaminated. Oh, my God. And mm. they had a home health nurse coming in to do the wound care, but that focus was on the wound and not on the whole situation and what else might be going on. Mm. So, again, we were able to find some resources so that that family could get hooked up to clean water, and then wouldn't you know, his his wound healed. So, um, you know, it makes a lot of difference if you can get clean with clean water. Well, it's it, you can see that starting with the child and then working into the family setting in that dimension absolutely helps so many people. It's just a dramatic outreach. It's, it's really impressive. Um, and Susan, that now, was, I, if I could just comment on that. And yeah. I feel like having a home visit really completes the puzzle or gives a full picture of what the family is experiencing. So oftentimes when I meet with a student one-on-one in the school and start to talk about what their family situation is like, their caregiving responsibilities, 
and I'm doing an assessment, that is often when I'll refer a home visit to Kara to mm-hmm. say, you know, maybe we could help them in, in some different aspects. And mm-hmm. so often when Kara goes out to the home, she learns so many things that maybe the student wasn't aware of. And one that comes to mind when I met with the student, I think he was helping his aunt who was um, blind. But as soon as we were able to get into the home and see that family dynamic, there were... 10 people living in the house. It was multi-generational. So he was also caring for his grandparents. His father was on dialysis. And all of that didn't come out when speaking with the student himself. Right, so it's right. just so important to get a full picture about what that child is experiencing that sometimes they may not be aware that the family's suffering with or maybe at the time of intake he wasn't quite comfortable sharing everything. So that's another piece of why those home visits are so important. Now, does Kara do many calls to the home, or how do you think you actually create the safety that allows your program to make that home visit? What intervention? Yeah, it begins with a family specialist, but then also... Um, if if we have some real concerns, sometimes we might go to the school guidance counselor mm-hmm. and um, get them to make a call to the family or help us meet with the child. Um, one time we had a, a referral from a, um, a church, and they felt that they had worked with this family for a long time and, and had just not been able to um, do the, the additional um, work that was needed. And so um, we met with a student at the school, and um, he said that, you know, his father just wasn't working right now, and his mother had respiratory issues, and it turned out that his father had fallen from a roof, was totally disabled, but the family lived in fear that they would be separated if anyone found out all that Mm. the kids were doing. And so... Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of misinformation mm-hmm. around. Wow, mm-hmm. it's fabulous. Well, let's turn to the um, youth development program. Kim, um, you're a licensed social worker um, and play a key role here with these children. Maybe tell our listeners about the type of programs that the children get involved with, your goal with these programs. So I work with the Caregiving Youth Project, and that is our our school-based program and the program that provides direct services to the students. So my role is to be working in the middle schools and high schools to identify, assess, enroll students who are caregivers. And some of the programs that we offer at school are skill-building groups and support groups. So that's really to help the students gain some life skills Um, to help them communicate better, communicate their feelings, communicate what's going on in their lives to teachers, to trusted adults. Um, We also focus on stress management because Mm -hmm. so many of our students come to us and they're worried and they're anxious and they might feel isolated or depressed in what's occurring in their family. So we really try to work with them to reduce that stress if they feel angry about their family situation um, or if they're, they have a temper or some behavioral issues, we really try to help them figure out why they're angry, um, anger management skills, and how to build self-esteem. Um, we work on, in high school level, how to really prepare them for their future 
if it's college, a vocational school, mm-hmm. maybe going into employment or to the armed services. So we're just really trying to help reduce their stress level um, and get them through school as successfully as possible. Now, are some children seen individually, Kim, or is it mainly, I mean, I believe in the power of group, is it, is it mainly with groups? We do start off more individually to start our intake and assessment process. So that would be a one-on-one meeting where we're assessing needs, trying to learn a bit more about what the student is doing, their caregiving role. Um, And then we do bring them into the group setting. So we offer groups throughout the school year for our middle school, sixth grade through the 12th grade. But if something is going on with the student personally and they need some one-on-one attention, that is definitely something that we can offer Um, throughout the school day. Mm -hmm. We also have activities that we do. Um, I think that's a huge part of our program where we're trying to relieve some of that stress for the students and just give them childhood experiences. So we've talked about Camp Treasure, but we also do hold some activities at the school after school hours so that transportation isn't an issue. Um, We do nutritional classes. We partner with different high schools to do some leadership classes. Um, We have taken our students to Whole Foods and have helped them with some cooking demonstrations, but to help them gain those life skills that so often they are doing in the home, being in those higher responsibility situations. So, Kim, are they doing this during the school day, or did you say after? The activities are after school. But so then some... Some of them, um, how do they get home? I mean, how does that all work? Activity buses. Oh, so you provide those? The school, if it's an after-school program, uh-huh. it is through an activity bus. But mm-hmm. if it is Camp Treasure or one of our caregiving youth-sponsored events, we do coordinate transportation through volunteers mm-hmm. because some of our families aren't able to drive due to medical issues. And we never want a child to miss out on an opportunity due to transportation. So we always are looking for volunteers to help with that. Okay, it's terrific. Now, one thing I read in your materials, which is, which is, we'll talk about how folks can find you online, is that at some point, the children were were really starting to give voice to their benefits and the actual skills that they acquired being in the position of being caregivers. And now, how, how does that unfold? Because it's like a reappraisal of something that seems at first negative. It's wonderful that they might be able to see what they gained from this once they got some help also. Well, I think one of the perspectives we try and give the students is how valuable um, what they are doing is not only to their family, but to society, because who would be providing this care if they did not? And then helping them to reframe some of, um, you know, the skills that they're learning that can be useful later on in life. Mm-hmm. So and you- in, in terms of prioritizing um, some values-based and, um, you know, even multitasking and learning to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So these are really terrific resiliency strategies and skills. And we kind of know once someone has reframed something from a positive perspective, 
their whole attitude and stress level changes. Stress goes down, a sense of efficacy and better self-esteem comes in. It's a mm-hmm. wonderful, it's a wonderful aspect of what this program just about touches on everything wonderful. <laughs> it's really remarkable. Yeah. Well, we feel that way, but you know, also we haven't proven it yet. But you know, there are many studies among adult family caregivers about the prevalence of depression and isolation. Yes. And so those are two of the, the things that we are trying to intervene. And I think we're really seeing that our kids, once they become involved, um, are, you know, avoiding those ramifications. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, this is a real preventative. You know, as soon as you're not alone and people are helping you lift that wheelchair, so to speak, it's a different life experience. And then I love the name of Camp Treasure. That's a wonderful <laughs> name. Well, Does that's that- because we believe the kids are treasure, and part of the quest of the camp is to help them discover the treasure within. Uh-huh. Now, um, would you say that Another whole part of this program is finding volunteers because it seems like the people who made the ramp, the folks bringing kids home, I mean, is that an important arm and does that does that take time and is someone doing that? How do we get people to volunteer? I'm, I'm sure some of our listeners wish they could jump in. How do you get the volunteers? So um, we have a volunteer manager who is is quite skilled and has done that for other organizations besides us for a number of years. We um, do online uh, recruiting through a volunteer match, through United Way, through congregations, through word of mouth. Um, so we have several online ways. Uh, we go to uh, resource fairs at companies and try and get uh, volunteers from companies. Wonderful. Uh, some That's companies wonderful. will offer their employees uh, paid time for them wow. to uh, volunteer. That's so, terrific. you know, we try and locate those companies and en- engage those employees. We began a mentoring program called Macy, Mentor Caregiving Youth. And so that's been another avenue for uh, some people to volunteer. Terrific. We're going to take a brief break. It's just a wonderful program. You've been listening to Psych Up Live, and we're talking about helping children caregivers. It's a remarkable program, American Association of Caregiving Youth. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson in The Sea Around Us said, All at last, return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river. Like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Where are you getting your advice on buying, selling, or maintaining your most important asset, your home? Is it from a reality show on cable TV, a comparison website, or are you just flying by the seat of your pants and gut instinct? Stop now before you make another move. Tune into Real Real Estate Today with host and realtor Deb Tomorrow. You can't afford to play guesswork when it comes to your new or existing home. Listen every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're here with Dr. Connie Siskowski and Kim Fort. They are Folks from the, they're the director and the uh, youth development specialist from the American Association of Caregiving Youth. The program they've discussed is, is, is remarkable. So before we go any farther, Dr. Siskowski and Kim, um, how could listeners find you online? How could they seek your help? And how could they donate? Okay, so people are welcome to call us on our 800 number, which is 800-508-9618, or call our office directly at 561-391-7401. Our website is aacy.org, and we have the ability for people to donate online. And our address is also listed on our website if people would prefer to send a check or call in um, our direct number, the 561-391-7401 with a credit card. Terrific. It's a fabulous program. Now, I was asking you during the break about barriers for expanding the program, and you mentioned some some real steps um, that you think are hopeful in helping this program expand even more nationally. Can you speak a little bit about that, Dr. Siskowski? Sure. So um, one of the groups that is important to recognize these children are um, our health care providers, uh, physicians, and particularly pediatricians. So um, there has been a movement, thanks to the chief medical resident at Chris Everett Hospital in uh, Fort Lauderdale, to uh, develop a resolution uh, that has gone to the American Academy of Pediatrics and hopefully will be um, one of their recommendations for the future. And um, 
one thing that pediatricians can do is to ask children about the health status of other family members right. and what role that they're playing at home. That's terrific, yes. Um, so let me ask you, in terms of the barriers that you think have stopped you at times, Kim, in terms of helping some of these youngsters, what, what's been the most difficult for you? I would say probably the lack of awareness, um, having this population of students just not fully recognized um, locally, nationally. Um, I would think that that would probably be the biggest barrier. Mm-hmm. And what do you think has been um, the, the greatest asset in letting people know about the program, both in a local community or on a broader level? What do you think has really made the difference? I would say opportunities like this um, where we're able to really voice and express what youth caregivers experience. Um, I think being able to tell their stories and to share some of the um, situations that they're in really attracts people to listen to maybe even identify some caregivers within their own community or family. Mm -hmm. Um, And just the different... um, events or opportunities Dr. Siskowski has been able to participate in to really launch this um, within our local community as well as state and national. And then for um, like our schools to be involved, I think as, as soon as people are able to recognize the work that we do and to see the impact and difference that we make on the students, um, it just really changes their perception of youth caregivers. And do I have it right, um, Dr. Siskowski and Kim, This is not a situation where school personnel are burdened or given more to do. You are bringing in teams. So we are really adding resources and professionals to any school that had this kind of program. Correct. We are um, helping them achieve their goals of children graduating and being healthy and productive. I know um, one one of your concerns is overlooking a vulnerable population who's at risk of dropping out. And these children certainly are from what you're saying. So this is, I mean, you've really become an asset to any school district or school. That's our perspective. And once they um, get to understand, it becomes their perspective also. Okay. So let me ask each of you, what has been the most moving part of your experience with um, caring youth project and responding to these children. For you, what has been the most moving or the most, the biggest take-home message? I would say the biggest take-home message for me is prior to coming to um, this organization, I myself was not too aware of youth caregivers. Um, and then in looking at my past and my experience, I definitely realized that youth caregivers do exist, but I just didn't put the pieces together. Um, So I would say on a daily basis, I'm impacted by just working with the students, um, seeing the growth from the beginning of the school year in September to the end of the school year, um, especially when I'm now starting to get to the stage where I've started with some sixth graders, and in a year or two, they're going to be graduating. So just to be able to see their success and their growth and their confidence improve, um, I would say just on a daily basis, that is the most rewarding part of the job. It sounds fabulous. You know, I have to agree with you. As soon as I spoke to Dr. Siskowski 
and read about your program, I began to think of people over many, many years that I've worked with who have suffered and had, had their share of problems, although they manage, who in fact were once child caregivers. But mm-hmm. as you say, you don't have that lens. You don't put that lens on, you might miss it. So I can really appreciate what you're saying. What about you, Dr. Siskowski? What what has been the the most poignant aspect of all this work? I mean, for good reason, you were one of CNN's uh, top 10 heroes. What has this meant for you, the unfolding of this program? Well, you know, sometimes people say to me, you know, aren't you proud of what you've done? And I say, well, we have so much more to do. You know, how do you have time to be proud? So I think um, when I hear from kids uh, who have uh, already uh, graduated and I know that they're continuing to be successful, um, sometimes they're still hurting inside. Like um, some of them are friends of um, ours or mine on Facebook. And just recently, uh, one of the the children who I became aware of before our program really got started had her mom had died and she had written, you know, how much she had wished um, she still had a parent and how much she still missed her and that, you know, she would never have. Um, many opportunities to um, to engage with her mom ever again. And, you know, I could still feel her pain, but um, she has gone on and, and is now in college, and I was able to write to her and say, you know, but your mom did the best she could. She really wasn't well. And, you know, she wrote back and said, thank you. Mm-hmm. Or I got an email from another student who, you know, wished me a happy Mother's Day. Nice. <laughs> That's lovely. Mm-hmm. That's really lovely. So, I mean, you you have had the personal experience of what it's meant for these children and that the dialogue goes on. It's very rarely I, do children or people forget the people who touch their lives so dramatically. Um, and from what you're saying, almost every aspect is covered. The schools are covered. The health care seems tremendous. The, the involvement of the children with other children. I mean, I think mm-hmm. people heal in communities, and when you give that in that community, Kim, it's dramatic. Mm-hmm. In terms of expanding your program, what, what is the thing you want listeners to know most? Well, we have had, um, we have several um, organizations in various states become what we call an affiliate member, oh, and nice. not all of them can do um, everything that we do because because they have other um, missions, but even if they're able to support um, caregiving youth in some way, it's, it's better than the children not being recognized and having any support at all. So... Uh, um, would I know... You know would I, I think be able continuing to that, continuing national partnerships... Um, continuing to raise awareness and partner with even disease-specific organizations that are now um, looking at the role of children in as care providers. So if I was out, not in Florida, how would I find out if there was an affiliate organization in Michigan or in New York? Would that be on your website? There is some on our website, but they're in different um, stages 
And so I would really prefer that people um, check in with me and because sometimes we have people in a particular area that are just beginning uh, work. And so, like, as a result of the New York Times article, somebody in um, the Los Angeles County area had written and said, what can I do? And we have a, um, a medical student there who's a pediatric resident who's beginning some work, and so I was able to connect them. So it's, it may be hard to begin a, a program independently, but by having clusters of people in a particular area that we can link together, um, you know, together we're stronger. Terrific. And I, I know that you've reached out to the family uh, caregiving organizations to include children under their heading. Uh, that's correct. And there's um, because this is an election year, several of them had gotten together to form a family caregivers platform in which there are planks and different states are handling it in different ways. So some have taken a very bipartisan approach and this is certainly a bipartisan issue, yes. um, and others have have um, you know dealt with a particular party. So um, having states involved, having legislators involved, because there are supports for adult family caregivers, but a child can do the same thing as an adult, um, and yet there's no recognition, no value, no benefits um, to that child. So they're really. Um, being discriminated against from an age perspective. Mm. So we can open that. It would be great to open that up. You know, we're going to have to um, end for today, but I want to really thank both of you and your entire team, Dr. Connie Siskowski, Dr. Ann Farone, Kara Zimmerman, and Kim, the, the, the comments, the descriptions of the children. As a group, you've done a, an amazing job, and you really model for all of us, how you take a step to making a difference in people's lives. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank Thank you so much. We really appreciate your help in raising awareness. Thank you. I want to thank my listeners. You can hear this and any prior show as a podcast on my host site, my website, the podcast app of your iPhone, on iTunes, on Sketcher. Next week, Dr. Therese Houston will be here discussing her new book, How Women Decide, What's True, What's Not, and What Strategies Spark the Best Choices. It's a great book, and she's terrific. Drop me a comment or question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Until next week, please take care. Thanks again, and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk more next week.